What's up? Mike check one two one two. This is the Planet of the Apes podcast. This is the very first episode. We have no clue what we're doing. Uh, we're gonna see how this turns out. I'm thinking it's gonna be like a stream of consciousness type podcast. We got some questions for this one. Um, try to have some guests. We're gonna try to figure out this technology shit. Try to you know Skype with coaches around the world. You know figure this all out, right? We're learning as we go. So, for those that don't know me, my name is Brad Damon. I'm the owner of Lead Athlete Training Systems, uh, and we are, uh, own the Gorilla Compound. I uh, played football for 10 years growing up. I also coached, uh, positionally, I coached O-line for three or four years, and then spent the rest of my time uh, with the high school team out here in Spruce Grove as their strength coach. Uh, so, a total of about 10 years coaching. Um, after football, I sort of needed to get into something to compete in, kind of found my true passion in life, my true love, powerlifting. Uh, and after seven years of training, as hard as I could, I mean, I gave everything to it. I was able to walk away with a uh, 904 squat, a 633-pound bench, and a pathetic 601 deadlift, but that is what it is. Um, wanted, I was chasing 1,000 pounds for a long time, couldn't quite get it. Uh, got my 904, which uh, not not super happy with it, but it's enough for me to walk away from powerlifting. Um, trying to focus on, on the business side of things now. Um, so as I started powerlifting, I'd say I was competitively lifting for about a year before I got approached by Zach, who's the first athlete that I ever trained. Uh, he also owns Optimal Human Performance, which he works out of my gym. Um, and yeah, he just would not stop pestering me for training, man. Just every day, he's bothering me, bothering me. And I finally gave in, and I was like, all right, man, fine, I'll train you, whatever. Little, little did I realize that was going to be my passion, that's what I was going to do with my life, um, was work with athletes. So that's, for the last seven years, um, I've been working with athletes, four years officially that the government knows about, the rest of that is whatever, you know? Um, uh, but yeah, no, that's like I said, man, that's my, that's my passion. That's what it, that's, I'm, if you haven't seen me in person, I'm covered head to toe in tattoos. I have my head and my face tattooed. Um, I tattooed everything because I really never wanted to get another job. I wanted to make myself completely unemployable so that I, this gym had to work. This is what my calling was in life. This is what I was meant to do. Um, and that's sort of how we come to this podcast, right? This is a way for me to kind of share my knowledge because at the end of the day, the reason I started and the reason that I do this is I do want to help people. You'll see as we go through this podcast, I'm kind of a, a short fuse guy. I get a little frustrated. Sometimes I fly off the handle a bit, but I do want to help. I do want your questions, um, and, and we want to provide value in any way we can here. And I'm saying we because uh, I'm joined with my by my co-host here. Uh, his name's Kevin Hansen. I've known him far too long. He's not even a friend anymore. He's just a brother at this point. Uh, for those that don't know Kevin, I'll let him uh, him give you his uh, background. Uh, but he's a university football player. He's on the board at Eats still from a record he broke. What was that, like seven years ago? Oh, Six years ago? Cost that was when like, I first started. Oh, yeah, that was way back when. You uh, had a oh. 455 close grip bench. Son, you were strong. Bro. Oh, man. Back in the day, I'm all washed up now. Okay, so let me introduce myself. My name is Kevin. Um, I, could, I went and played football for, oh, gosh, it's been like 12, 13, 14 yeah, years. Yeah, it's yeah. been forever. Um, I started playing in Bantam, so about uh, the age of 14. Um, I played running back forever, just running back all the way up until I uh, graduated from high school. I made it uh, on the Huskies, which is uh, Canadian Junior Football League. And from that point on, uh, I moved, uh, I played there for two years, and then we had a coaching shift that made me kind of change directions myself. I ended up playing across the river, which was the rivals at the Wildcats. I finished off my career there, 
uh, with the lucky chance of having not one, but a couple of universities wanting me to play for them, I ended up choosing the University of Ottawa, and I finished up my career there two years. Uh, my first year, I played um, D-line, which is really weird because not that big. At that point, I was like 230 pounds. I was playing, uh, I played tackle, I played, and we played a really cool hodgepodge defense, and then we moved that over to uh, a new coach and a whole new direction, and I started my, almost my entire career from that point on there, which was short one year, uh, finished up there, and so I've, you know, I have a little bit of experience there, I've been training forever, been training with Brad um, for a short period of time, and at that point he skyrocketed my strength. Uh, and so, uh, this is a really cool opportunity for me to be the co-host to your amazing podcast. So yeah, I want to thank yeah, you for that. For sure. For sure. Glad to have you. And yeah, this is like, I've worked with a lot of athletes and now kind of moving into working with the higher level, the pro athletes, there's still not many that could hang with a Kevin Hansen in his prime. I'm just saying <laughs> he's old now and he's living that dad life. He's got that dad bod. <laughs> this motherfucker dusted off and come out. It's, it's a problem. <laughs> So we got a few questions to go over today. Um, like I said, I don't know what the uh, format of the podcast will be going forward, but we're going to do a Q&A sort of today. I've got the, almost like an FAQ episode, the most frequently asked questions I get on Instagram, and we got some specific uh, questions sprinkled in, but yeah, we're just going to jump into this, um, answer these questions. We're, whatever insight Kevin can offer as a high-level athlete, you know, we're going to try to inspire some good conversation off this between us, between guests that we have. Um, and yeah, we're just get, like I said, off the cuff. What comes out comes out. One take, Jake. We'll see how it goes. So, what do we got first, Kevin? Okay, so we're starting it off. We want to figure out a little bit about how you became such a coach. So you mentioned Westside. So what exactly is Westside? Westside Barbell is the strongest gym in the world. For those that don't know, and I'm going to get accused of swinging from Louis' fun bag again, like I do a lot. Um, I am Westside Barbell certified, and for me. Um, being a powerlifter growing up, uh, Westside was powerlifting me. When I first typed powerlifting into YouTube, it was a Westside video that popped up. So I always associated that with powerlifting. It's the most hardcore gym. It's just, it's the craziest atmosphere. There's actually a documentary coming out about it soon. Um, if these guys ever get their shit together and, and figure it out. Um, but it's called Westside versus the world. That'll be a really cool look into the gym. Uh, but basically it's an invite only gym in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and no need to be a smart ass and comment that Columbus isn't in the West. Um, it, the, the name Westside Barbell actually came from when Louis was in the Army and he was reading Powerlifting USA. And there were articles from guys at a gym in Culver City called Westside Barbell. And when that gym shut down and Louis opened his gym, it was sort of a way to pay homage to the guys that inspired him and actually were the reason he started using box squats, which we'll get into at some point in the podcast, I'm sure. Um, but anyway, like I said, invitation-only gym, um, it's, it's the mecca of strength training. It's where the strongest men and women in powerlifting and in the history of powerlifting have trained. Obviously, there's unicorns uh, out there that didn't go to Westside, and they're still absolute beasts, and, and that's great. But, like, the numbers, like, I got some numbers here that I pulled off the website. We'll talk, like, these numbers are insane. I won't, let me preface it, though. Let me tell you the best numbers from our gym. For, for me as a lifter, like I said, I had squatted 904, bench 633. We won't talk about the deadlift. Um, in my gym, in terms of powerlifters, we've had two or three squats over 900 pounds. We've had five squats over 800 pounds, and we've had over 10, no, maybe not quite over 10 squats, 700 pounds. Yeah, I, I would say between eight and 10 squats, if I, or over 700 pounds, sorry. Um, probably four benches over 600 pounds, um, too many to count over 500 for too many years. 
I was stuck at that plateau forever. Um, but between yeah, between me and my athletes, we have a 750-pound uh, deadlift to our name. So we've got, I mean, some decent numbers, right? Uh, but Westside Barbell, on the other hand, from their top 10 squats, they have nine guys over 1,000 pounds. They have eight guys over 1,100 pounds, six guys over 1,150, and three squats over 1,200 pounds, which is insane. Their heaviest squat is 1,210 by Dave Hoff. Um, the only squat under 1,000 pounds was 890 by Wes McMorick. Uh, he weighed 163 pounds when he squatted that. Like, that's that strong. That's, that's strength. Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh. He's 890. My goal is getting into powerlifting to squat 800 pounds. I didn't care what I weighed. This dude's half my weight squatted 890. Jesus Christ. And that's just the squat. Like the bench numbers, the top 10 bench. The, the lowest bench that they have is 750 at 881 by Jason Fry. Oh, that's crazy. Gosh. Eight over 800, six over 900, two over 1,000. The biggest bench on the board by or pound for pound is Jason Coker, 900 at uh, 195. Uh, the biggest bench on the board, though, is Dave Hoff again, 1,005. In the deadlift, they have nine over 700, seven over 800, and one 900-pound deadlift by Jake Norman. They work with tons of pro athletes um, all over the world in all different sports. They're big in rugby. Um, Louis worked with Olympic gold medalists in sprint. He's worked with a uh, decathlon girl. I'm not sure if she medaled or not, but she was an Olympian. Um, yeah, just the, the pedigree to back it up for sure. And they came up with what was the West Side method or what is the West Side method. That sort of inspired me when I was working with athletes. I would say over the last three or four years, I've kind of broken away and started creating my own method, what I would call the EATS method, um, kind of evolving from West Side. But I owe the vast majority of my success and any success that I will have to Louis Simmons and Westside Barbell. So that's why I'm so passionate about promoting them and swinging from their fun bag, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. So that's, that explains a whole bunch. And the only question I have is like, when it comes to that is like, so when you say Dave Hoff has two numbers on the top of the board, who is Dave Hoff is a big, good question because yeah. That seems kind of remarkable to me. Dave Hoff is a freak. Dave Hoff is one of the reasons I don't powerlift anymore. Because <laughs> Dave Hoff is a year younger than me or the same age. Um, and this man is total over 3,000 pounds. I want to say three, maybe four times. I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh. Basically, <clears throat> when powerlift, powerlifting started in the late 60s, early 70s-ish. Um, and uh, from that point until 2012, 2013 was when Donnie Thompson broke the 3,000-pound total. Up until that point, everyone had always tried. That was the number, right? You'd come to a meet, they say, you're going for the number today. Um, I think the biggest leading that was a 2990. Uh, I can't remember who did it, but I think that was the biggest. Um, so anyway, 30-plus years for someone to finally break a 3,000-pound total. Two months later, maybe even a month later, Dave Hoff goes 3,005. Just, and, and that, I mean, that speaks to the limit of human potential, right? As soon as a, a benchmark is achieved, Something happens, you know, someone pushes it even further. But, yeah, Dave Hoff went 3,005. He went 3,010, and I think he's gone 3,015 now, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just coming off the top of my head with that. But, yeah, he's 26 years old, maybe 25. He's, like, 5'6", 300 pounds. He's literally <laughs> as tall as he is wide. Yeah. A savage animal, 1,200-plus-pound squatter, 1,000-pound bencher, the only guy, the only three-lift guy to bench over 1,000 pounds in contest. Um, yeah, he's just... He may be the greatest power lifter that ever competed. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's just a testament to the the pedigree of Louis as yeah, well. Absolutely. Like, and, and one thing about Dave, too, is that he started at Westside at 15 years old. So, so Louis literally grew him, right? He molded him. 
they have had a thousand five squad at 19 years old. So remarkable. Like, so we know this is a crazy thing. So I guess we want to wonder a little bit about the methodology. You said the Westland yeah, yeah, method. Yeah. So the one thing that everyone asks is what is a conjugate method? That's the buzzword. Eh? Right. Everybody con hashtag conjugate. <laughs> hashtag fucking conjugate. Um, <laughs> So the conjugate method, uh, all that really means is that it's a constant uh, rotation of exercises. It, is the mic picking that up? That's my, <laughs> that is the world famous dozer, just snoring away. That's my boy. Talk shit in the comments, I'll come find you. That's my dog, I'll ride for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, conjugate means rotating exercises. That's all it means. It makes you sound really smart when you say it in your Instagram, I guess. Um, but that's all it is, is a constant rotation of exercises. Um, so basically, what we do at EATS with the EATS method could best be defined as, you know, three-week pendulum wave conjugated periodization, I guess, right? So what that means is that everything we do... <laughs> like, in layman's terms? <laughs> <laughs> so every, so um, you have, basically you have block periodization and wave periodization, right? These are your two main schools of thinking, um, and I tend towards the wave periodization side of things um, for various reasons we'll get into on other podcasts, I'm sure. Um, so everything we do is programmed three weeks at a time. I never, or actually I programmed one week at a time, but plan three weeks at a time. Um, and the reason for this is simple. I, when I first started training athletes, I had three golden bears with me. Um, and I made a program for them. They were just going into their season, so I made them an in-season program uh, that went from, when does football season start for a oh, sport team? It's like late June, right? Um, so we're talking like as soon as uh, their sports yeah, starts. training camp. Training camp, yes. Training camp's like late June. Yes. So I, st I made a program from late June till I think if they were going to win the uh, Vanier, it would have went into December. Planned that all out for them. Even made a plan for a few weeks after they finished their season, how we're going to bring them back full speed. Anyway, we go out there, and uh, the one kid rolled his ankle. Zach had rolled his ankle in the first practice. He got rolled up in a pile, which happens. And then Colby broke his leg. He got rolled up on and broke his leg. And so two of the three programs I had done out the window, an entire night's work, completely wasted. And I was like, fuck this, man. I'm never, I'm never planning more than three weeks ahead because we can always adapt training as we need. I'm a big believer in auto-regulation. Um, so anytime my athletes come into the gym, I'm always communicating with them, how you feeling, how, how's this, how's that. Um, and we kind of we plan the workout from there. So we have a long-term plan of where we want to be, but I don't program more than three weeks ahead if that makes sense. So yeah. everything is done in a three-week wave, meaning that um, on Wednesdays our dynamic effort is squat day. So in week one, we use 50% of our one rep max. In week two, we use 55% of our one rep max. Week three is 60%. And then we go back to week one, wave back down to 50%. So if we were to plot that on a graph, instead of coming out looking like blocks in a, in a bar graph, I think yeah. is what they used to call those yeah. in school, it would be waves on a graph, right? So, okay. Um, and it's just it's it's just a more superior way to train, I think. It's, it's a way the body responds to better, not to get too metaphysical on it on you here but like everything in nature moves in waves sound travels in waves light travels in waves the oceans travel in waves like it's just a natural way to program i feel like the body responds better to waves than it does to blocks you know yes it's okay, a, that's okay. a weird a weird but that's how my mind looks at shit <laughs> so like yeah exactly sometimes like i just go to those weird places in my mind <laughs> exactly so i mean that, like that i also have a couple of questions that came up with that because that was really cool yeah, in yeah, the sure. way you explained that sure. so when you have an injury that happens like that, how would you adapt? So you say that it gave you a short-sightedness, right? Which yeah, makes, absolutely. right? So you're seeing only 
three steps ahead instead of saying like, hey, you're here now. Yeah, we're looking all the way. Oh, well, we're, what happens when you're professional? You're here. You're like, no, what's happening right now for your athlete? Yeah. And I think that's super important. But like, how does that adapt if someone does get injured? Like, what would you do? Like, if, uh, you know, he turns over his ankle, you're now back to square one. Square one, luckily, now is only three weeks. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. do you... And that, that brings up a really good point in my head as well. I'm going to get off subject a bit. We'll come back to it in a second. But uh, this speaking about how, you know, you know where you want to be, but you don't know how you're going to get there kind of approach. Yeah. I heard, I don't remember who it was. I want to say Simon Sinek, but I don't I don't know if it was him or not. Um, but some speaker talking about, like, goal setting and how to achieve goals and the idea that basically you know where you are, you know where you want to go, put your goal in the GPS and just follow the follow the path that it leads you on kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, you, you have, if you, when you have to turn, you turn and redirect kind of thing. Um, I think that speaks a lot to, to how you should program training as well because you really don't know what's going to go on in six weeks. We have, um, like Dex, who I'm working with now, has his tryout for the national bobsled team coming up, and we don't know what's going to happen after that. If he makes the team, he you know he might have to move down to Calgary because that's where the training facility is. Mm-hmm. Um, so why you know why plan ahead of that right now when we can just plan at that moment? Um, and so how does it come together? It's 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 a lot of auto regulation. It's a lot of um, how do you feel today kind of thing. I, I need I get a rhythm with my athletes right, and this is I mean we have spoiler alert we have a question coming up about online training. This is a reason I don't do online training. Um, so I need to, I can look at an athlete, my athlete, I should say, and I can tell you how they're feeling, right? Just by the look in their eye, just by their posture, just by, I can tell you Wes isn't feeling good today, he's sick, or, or Dex's ankle is bugging him, you know, from doing this, or, yeah. or whatever, right? Um, and we, we just adjust from there. The, the nice thing about the West Side method and how we implemented it is that it's percentage-based training, but it's really velocity-based training. Okay. The percents are a guideline to get there, right? So say we're squatting, say it's week two and we're 50, 55% uh, bar weight and 25% band tension, so we got a guy squatting, you know, say 315 in green bands. Um, and that's the prescribed weight he should be at that day, but it's just moving like dog shit. Well, we would just drop the weight because all we really need is that bar speed to be 0.8 meters per second, right? Okay. So it doesn't matter if we're achieving that with 315 or with 225 as long as we're achieving that obviously achieving it with more weight is more optimal but if you're not hitting that bar speed then it's just a complete waste of time you're training a different type of strength right yes on a speed strength day we want a speed strength velocity so it's i guess percent guided but based on auto regulation okay okay a good way to do and that's really good because also this is one thing i guess uh maybe most people who haven't been in a, a situation where they've been in a high level of sport uh, most coaches you imagine the player to be with would be your position coach. But in reality, it is a strength coach. Absolutely. You're with them majority of the time. You see them all the time. So I feel like you kind of answered the question already. But you, so you were able to almost do more when it comes to seeing them be like, oh, man, like it's that practice. Like, right? how, do you, how do you know what your athlete's telling you? Body language is so much of the communication. Yes. You know what I mean? I've had athletes, listen, I got competitive motherfuckers in my gym, and they'll tell me they're feeling great. They'll tell me they, they fucking put 315 in their teeth yeah. and squat it right now. Yes. But when they say it to me with their shoulders slouched over and their head down, it's like, no, you're not really. Like, yeah. I respect that's your mindset, but no, we're backing off today. Yes. Kind of okay. thing, you know what okay. I mean? And it's, it's, so it's actually, it's like an athlete who, who did go a little bit farther than most, not all the way. It's, yeah, I've, I've had a practice I want to be at. You know, I've committed myself. It's like, at the point, it's like, I've, drank maybe like once every five months and lightly I had a beer, you know, like I was training like crazy. I was, I probably specialized way too early. 
you know, so I was super focused. And there were still days where I felt like, I, you know, you you hang your head and you're like, you yeah, know, why absolutely. am I doing this? There's days even you as an athlete, whether you don't realize it or whether you don't want to acknowledge it. Yes, you, 100% yeah, that. You're not aware that you're fatigued. Yes. And, and yeah, I have days like that with my athletes too where I back him down. The Dex got mad at me last week. I backed him down on something and he, he's like, like, I mean, he's not rude or anything, but he was like visibly mad at me. Yes. And I'm like, yo, you're not, this isn't optimal. Right? And I always tell my athletes, we never want to train minimally. That's for pussies. We never want to train maximally. That's for idiots. We always want to train optimally. Yeah. Right? We always want to train in that perfect sweet spot. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And it's the the really cool thing about that is that you even do that. Because, I mean, as a person who's gone through all the way up to a university level, you it seems like you kind of get caught in the wash unless you're the best athlete. Like, unless you're the Dex the yeah. West, yeah. it seems like everyone else kind of gets yeah. washed in the gulag so that they can make their Instagram post, they can make that. So I guess uh, another question I have is how do you, as a person who has a, a gym who has to make, you know, a bit of noise, so you have your Instagram, yeah. you have your, you know, your yeah, social media, yeah. It's it, how is it for you dealing with the athlete who isn't Dex, who isn't West? Like, are you doing this exact same thing with a guy yeah, who yeah, comes absolutely. in every day and just punches the clock, pays your bill. Yeah, you mean the, the hard worker with doesn't have a ton of talent. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah. We're doing, listen, everyone comes into the gym is doing, I'm only making three workouts a week. I make a level one, a level two, a level three. Yeah. I've got, like last time I checked our Wattifier gym management software, we had 65 athletes enrolled, maybe 68 athletes enrolled, something like that. Yeah. I am not writing 68 programs a week. <laughs> I'm not fucking doing that. It's not going to happen. Fuck that. And especially since I don't need to write it down. I can just do it in my head. I'm like Jay-Z, man. I can just do the programming in my head. I don't need to write it down. I write it down because it provides value to the client. Yes. If they didn't care, I wouldn't fucking write it down. Yes. I don't need to. Because um, it's so simple, right? It's just three simple programs. You come in. We do our cars routine first, which is uh, controlled articular rotations. Um, hopefully, I'll get Zach or Rob on the podcast. At some point, we'll get into detail yeah. about that and the whole FRC system. But basically, what we use that for... One of the things we use that for is a diagnostic tool, right? To see how are you feeling today. It's, it's a way to check in. Like I said, I got 60 plus athletes on the go. I don't know. I can't remember that you told me your shoulder was bugging you last week on yes. Tuesday. You know what I mean? Yeah. So allows but when you, you do to... your cars, then you can come to me and say, oh yeah, that pinch in my shoulder is bad. And now I remember. Yeah. Okay. So cool. this is what we're going to do. Cool. So it gives you an evaluation tool yeah, almost it's pre-workout so you can see yeah. them go, you know, my shoulder's perfect because you have that competitive athlete. Yeah, yeah. He goes around, his shoulder yeah, doesn't look like it's giving you nothing. if he wants to bullshit me, I can see it. Motherfucker, yes. you can't lie to me. So basically, you come in, we do that, um, and then depending on what your level is as the athlete, like you said, if you're not a Dex, if you're not a Wes, yeah. um, we just adjust the load, right? You're, yeah. not, you're just not squatting 500 pounds. You're not, maybe you're not squatting at all. Maybe you're level one. Um, but it's as simple as... Like the load adjusts, and that's even if we had level three athletes that were drastically. Let's let's talk powerlifting specifically for a minute. Let's say we yeah. had me as a super heavyweight equipped powerlifter. You know, at my prime squat nine hundred thousand pounds in in training. Yeah, and I'm training with a hundred and ten pound female lifter who is strong as shit, but she squats three fifteen. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes, we can train side by side on a dynamic effort day because we're doing fifty percent of our one rep max. Yeah, so she's using half of 315 math that i can't do (laughs) yeah so i'm like "Ah." i'm using like 450 500 pounds so we have to adjust the bar weight each set but we're training side by side we're doing the exact same thing yeah that's the beauty of percent based training or uh, or i should say percent guided training that's something i'm gonna try to get into saying is percent percent guided not percent based yeah um but yeah so it doesn't matter what level you are we 
like I said, I'm big on auto regulation, and yeah. everything kind of finds a way to work itself out through that. Yeah, good. And that, that I just wanted to get to the point that you even will do this for an athlete who isn't your highest level athlete, and I think that comes through is like why one of your why your gym is kind of like Westside Junior is that no one's getting a day off, no one's Absolutely. getting this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting the best out of every single one of your yeah. athletes, and that's a big thing I respect about you. Yeah, and we've we've grown it to a point now. It's nice because I don't have to work with everybody, so I can now I can focus on the higher level athletes because that's my dream. Yeah, but if you're a lower level athlete, come through, dude. Like it's called elite athlete training systems because we'll make you elite. We'll get yes. you as close to that level as we can. You know what I mean? It's not doesn't mean you have to be elite to be here. It means yes. you have to want to be elite to be here. One hundred percent. I mean, exactly. So I guess my big question is now is why absolutely no online training whatsoever? Like, oh fuck you! Don't like, call me for online training. <laughs> fuck out of here with that shit. God damn! Stop bothering me with that. That's a rip off, man. If you're getting trained online right now, you're getting ripped off. You can't do it. Listen, I take pride in what I do. This is this is art to me. This isn't uh, this isn't a game. This isn't a paycheck. This isn't it's. I, when I design a program, I see myself as Dr. Dre in the studio. You know what I mean? I see myself as like DJ Premier. Like I'm making music. Everything has to complement everything. Everything has to flow together. I'm not going to disrespect that process by just sending that away for you to interpret however you choose to interpret it. You know what I mean? I made it for a reason. There's a purpose behind it. Yeah. We're going to do it the way I designed it. Also, I don't want to deal with your 400 text messages a day asking me what this means and what this means because I have my own name for everything. Yeah, exactly. The you know? verbiage is different. It's just, just, and it's not, we talked about that coach's eye earlier, right? We talked about how if I can't see you in front of me, then I can't give you that optimal coaching that you deserve. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that you need. So, no, I don't do any goddamn online training. Please stop fucking asking me. I will train anybody that wants to come to the gym and is committed to working hard and getting better. Yeah. But... Listen, this is there's there's certain sacrifices you have to make. Let's like let's talk Dex for example. Yeah. He got released from the Calgary Stampeders and is currently kind of making a living with his training athletes on the side, the SAQ uh, training that he does with athletes on field stuff. He's still driving from Leduc to Spruce Grove four times a week to train with me. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? He's because like, he wants a cost, it. That's right? a cost. I I made that drive when I would I went to Calgary with him for four weeks for the uh, bobsled practice session so I could get a feel for what bobsled is because I had no clue. Um, so from our house where we live on the West end yeah. to Dex's house is like a half hour from Spruce Grove to his, I was like an hour, 15 minutes, hour and a half. <laughs> right. He's doing that there and back four times a week just to train at the gorilla compound. Yeah, exactly. If and I, and if you're not the type of person to do that, I don't want you here. Yeah, exactly. That you catches know? that, that, uh, that culture that you've grown there, that yeah. you see though, all these kids, when it comes to Dex, who's a professional athlete, all the way down to your level one athlete. And the girls that are there are all savages. Yeah. Like, they, they're here. They don't want to miss anything. They're, Eeks. you know, they're putting in that time. They yeah. want to do everything hard. Yeah. Like, and it, it's crazy to see. And it's, you can't help but get caught up. And as soon as you step in that gym, you someone goes, hey, man, like, you put your name on that board. It's like, I'm going to break it down one day. And you're like, ah, you want to, like, attack it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, I'm like you never take it that from hey, me. Our power that there's <laughs> to fight Exactly. That's a fist fight. You try to take me off that board. Right? You know so, I mean? I mean, like, it, it's the competitiveness and the fact that it, the care is still there. You think that it's just a bunch of, you know, ah, you know, it's just everyone swinging at each other. But it really is. You're dealing. It's, not, it's support. This is how I've always described it. I've always, 
I always want to win in everything I do. Yeah. And I want people that want to win in everything they do. Yeah. It's okay to lose, but I'm never comfortable with losing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I want to win when my opponent is at their absolute best. Yes. I want you to have the best day you've ever had, and I want to fucking crush you. Yes. So that you know that even on your best day, you couldn't fuck with me. That's always my been my mentality. 100%. And that's the mentality we have at the gym is that we are here to win, and you should be here to win. Right, I want you to do your best so that I can beat you at your best. One hundred percent, you know, and exactly. that brings out the best in everyone around us. No, and I agree one hundred percent, and that's exactly why kind of me and you hit it off when I was like, "Hey, I didn't realize you trained people because you know I was doing a whole bunch of other things, and you were with the the predators at the time." Yeah, and it's like when I came back, I was like, "Oh, you train people?" And at that time, let's establish he was like three hundred pounds and went down to like two hundred pounds. Dude, like I was sloppy, he, nasty fat. He came down to like, <laughs> I was like, whoa, Brad, like, I haven't seen you in a while. This is crazy. Yeah. Like, well, you know, he's like, oh, I'm doing this now. And I was like, no, this is, no, this can't be real. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Like, and I, I wanted to go, you know, hey, like, I want to learn from you. If you can do something so crazy to yourself, then you must be committed. So, you know, I took a risk because at that point, you know, how many athletes did you deal with? When I you first know? started out? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have many, but it was still, I was working full-time, I was going to school, I was coaching. Yeah, exactly, right? I so I, I, walked, I was like, you know what, I really want to do that with you. And uh, that, that energy was like crazy, and I really, I really want to say that like, that's an amazing thing that you do. Yeah, absolutely. I think the atmosphere is, is great at the gym. I think that's the appeal of it, and that's why to do online training would just cheapen that. You know what I mean? Yes. It's trying to sell what we have that's so special. And if listen, I don't don't hit me telling me I can make more money on. I have no doubt. Listen, if I ever decided to go online training, what the fuck ever? I'm taking over. Right, hundred percent. Right. I could uh, no doubt. There's money in it. I choose not to sell my soul. I choose not to sell. There's this great line in a Brother Ali song. In uh, what's that song called? He's it's called um, Writer's Block, and he says. It's not like money ain't something that I need. There's a business side, and I want to. I want to succeed. There's business side, and I want to succeed. Plus, I got a wife and a couple kids to feed. But if I sell my love, then what's left for me? Right. Like if I sell my love, what's left for me? The thing about that you don't understand when you chase your dream. I had a dream of training athletes, um, and I I achieved that. I do it for a living now. It dampened my dream or my passion for training. I should say. You know what I mean? It's not. As soon as you sell your love for something your love is gone for it. I still enjoy training. I still like lifting. I still get after it. Um, but it's it's not the same. So I love training athletes. I don't want to do something that would jeopardize my love for it. And I think online programming would jeopardize my love for it. You know what I mean? All right. So that's – we're going to cut it there. We have a bunch more questions, but let's just make that a new episode because that's a lot of content coming out in day one. Um, one thing I want to do when we wrap this up, both Kevin and I are big – Big hip hop fans, big yes, hip hop fans, and it helps. I just quoted Brother Ali on some shit. So tell me, tell the people, what are you listening to right now, Kevin? What's what's banging when you're driving to Microsoft each day? <laughs> Yo, uh, usually I listen to uh, Audible. I listen to books on tape because I kind of get squeezing as much time as to kind of uh, keep my growth mindset going. I try to Absolutely. keep learning all yeah. the time. So uh, what books are you listening to right now? Guys? So what That's I'm listening question. to right now is conscientious coaching, conscientious coaching, coaching yeah. from. Uh, uh, Brett Bartholomew, yep. unbelievable, big fan of that one so far, almost done it. If you uh, are a coach of any sort, if you are, uh, you know, being coached, it's a cool thing to read so you can understand a little bit about your coach and a little bit about coaching so you can get the most out of it. 
Absolutely. So check that out. Absolutely. And that's a good point, man. The Audible is a great tool. And all these podcast apps that we're going to be on now. Yeah. These are great tools. For me, I'm, I'm, I love hip-hop, man. I got to bum my hip-hop on the way to work. I can't. <laughs> I do podcasts on the way home or a book. I can't do it in the morning. I got to get in that mind frame. Um, so for me, like right now, I've been bumping. I just downloaded Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders, that classic album. Oh, yeah. I never gave Tribe a chance because yeah. I couldn't stand Q-Tip's voice. Okay, I just, okay, gotcha. I, like, I yeah. respect him as an MZ. I respect what he's done for the culture, but his voice was too much. But I was just chilling the other day. I pushed just like a random shuffle button on play, yeah. and one of their songs came up. So I got the album, and that's fire. Like, obviously it's fire. It's a classic. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Um, but that's, it's always cool to kind of rediscover something that's been discovered Exactly, time, for you know yourself I mean? as well, yeah. Um, and I've also been listening to Don Jay, who was the starting running back for the Calgary Stampeders, and a fucking beast on the mic, man. <laughs> How did I break this down for Wes when I thought I said, it's like a guru-type flow from Gangstar with yep. a Nipsey Hussle-type message about yeah. hustling, about getting yours, Yep. on a, oh, how did I wrap it up? Because it was fire how I said it. Oh, it was, too. It you was. Told me Oh, and it's a, like a like a yuck mouth sound. Like he kind yes, of sounds exactly, like yuck mouth yeah. when he raps, but it's a guru type flow. Yeah. Right, rhyming like kind of tap dancing on the beat, rhyming over the beat. Whereas like rappers nowadays are kind of rhyming in the beat and driving you fucking nuts with it. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, but no, Don J. The tape is called the Jack of All Trades. It's on all major platforms. Go go get that. Download that. Stream it. Man, that's a hot album. There's 13 tracks on it. It's all fire. Oh man, Front top to back. bottom. There we go. All right. So if you're still with us, I appreciate you listening. This is the uh, the Planet of the Apes podcast. I'm Brad. I'm Kevin, man, and thanks for listening to him, and thanks for having me on, dude. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you all tuning in. We'll catch you next time.